Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Huddersfield Town Social. My name's Greg Mara, joining me as ever are Cameron Pope and Ian Kilroy. Back on the podcast, Thomas Furbank and Gareth Kay. And a newbie, a debutant, I think I think this is our 12th or 13th person on Nicholas Barlow. Hello Nick, are you alright? Welcome aboard the train of fun as Huddersfield Town. Seems to be quite good on the pitch. What a progression. However, off the pitch, we've uh, we finally heard from our esteemed chairman, Philip Hodgkinson, who um, has put his head above the parapet for the first time in a, in, in a while in, a, in an interview with Lee Bromby um, for the Huddersfield Daily Examiner, or Examiner Live, whatever you want to call it these days. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start with, with, with a, a general overview because I, I think there were some bits in there which which provided some information which we've perhaps been needing for a while but there was other bits which was a lot of twaddle a lot of waffle as some people have said on social media and, and some bits which just uh, bear more a bit of insignificance when it comes to what's gone on in the past it, it, it was a very strange article and you know we, we, we delayed our recordings uh, until this came out because I thought it was only fair or we thought it was only fair that we we kind of see what was in uh, the article and it's kind of what I expected really there wasn't too much to to really settle the nerves of those who were concerned but there was enough to keep those who who will say that they bleed blue and white and some may call happy clappers happy so um like a gentleman what are we thinking um well I I, uh, I read it and then reread it again because I had a spare hour to kill um, you know, Alison, I think fair play to Stephen Chicken. I think he tried to ask the questions that most of us would have asked. Uh, you know, he got into the detail a little bit around players and the squad and the plan and the finances. Um, but, you know, I think I'll, I'll look at some of what they've said. He said several times through the interview, we have a clear plan. That plan is coming clear, and that is that we're now going to try and promote youth. I mean, some of the, the, the claims around signing youth players from under the nose of top six clubs felt a bit a bit odd, uh, you know, saying that the, the progression, Dehaney and Daly were two that he specifically named, encourages these kids. And I think they've, you know, what, two sub-appearances between them so far this year. So they're hardly tearing up the championship. Um, you know, his comment about five strikers was a bit bizarre. You know, I think the two young lads, Kean and the other lad, you know, they're nowhere near ready for the championship yet. But the, the worst thing really was just the, the, the bits of conflict around the financial element. So, you know, I have absolutely no issue with him keeping money in the bank. You know, I think anybody who runs a business at the moment, cash is king, you're sitting on your cash balance wherever you can. So I don't have an issue with that in itself. But then he conflicted it by claiming further down, he was in, in investing, you know, what seemed to be significant sums of his personal money on an ongoing basis. So th- there was a bit of conflict there. Have we got a load of money in the bank or haven't we? Um, you know, and same around the shirt sponsorship, he said that we weren't asking too much. Uh, but in the next, you know, but obviously that went completely against what Devo said on Twitter. So listen, I, you know, credit where credit's due, the lads have come out and, and opened up a bit more, which is good to see. Um, but you know, that the financial element still is odd. I'm sure the others will pick up transfers generally, but you know, uh, five out of ten for me, I think, in terms of, of what we got back from it. Yeah, it was a strange old interview, actually. And um, yeah, I want to echo what, what Gaz said in the sense that I thought Stephen Chicken who delivered the interview, he was asking the probing questions and he followed up as well. I thought it was a good read from the interviewer's side. 
Um, and I think, you know, it's only fair to be balanced um, in another week where the board and, and the club hierarchy have come in for a lot of criticism, some justified, some otherwise. I think it's, it's good to start on a positive. And I think, OK, I was quite pleased to see that Phil came out and admitted that the Paddy Bauer fiasco was a mistake. Um, as a chairman, he said that he took, he took the rap for that. I thought, right, OK, fair enough. He's held his hands up for that one. So I thought, OK, I, I appreciated that. Um, and it was interesting to see how that linked into this year as well. Um, you know, I, I'm no businessman, so I can't, um, you know, I can't say how much it affects other betting companies coming in. But, you know, that's the answer he's given us. I'm happy to take that. Um, I don't think it excuses the whole shirt sponsor fiasco, although we should supposedly be seeing more movement on that. So, you know, I'll, I'll leave that um, until the new surfaces. But there was also a lot of points, as we've said, in, in and amongst the waffle, um, and okay, yeah, it was a transcript. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to filter through it to find the, the salient details. There were things I I had a few problems with, um, namely the and it was quite early on as well. The mention of strikers. I thought it was quite a good question to go in on, uh, asking, do we have enough bodies on the ground? Do we have enough bodies in attack? And to say that we have five strikers in our books, I think that's a bit of a cheeky comment, to be honest. Um, bearing in mind that one has is, 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 is barely featured since he joined us, um, is still out for another couple of weeks. This is Danny Ward, of course. Um, so he's been out. We've got Josh Karoma, who's not played his whole career, his young career as a, as a striker. We've seen, OK, that he can certainly fit into that mould. So that's one for the future, we hope. Fraser Campbell, of course. But then to include two young lads, like we've said, in Keane Harrett and a young lad from Everton, it's... It, other sides have youth strikers. They also have a cohort of senior strikers who they can call on day to day, week in, week out. Good that we can complement it with youth, but to include them in our core setup, I mean, Key and Harry, we don't know much about the lad because he hasn't played much senior football. And so, yeah, great. He may be another Josh Caroma, someone that can bed in, but it might work with one youth player. Is it going to work with three? And the second thing, and this links into it, was, um, and it was it was a strange affair over this uh, over the transfer deadline weekend. Um, the Rolando Warrens affair, and now okay, it seems they were quite keen on their man. But the way that Phil puts it is that you know if Carlin Grant wasn't going to go this window, then we didn't need to bring in another player in that area. Yeah, fair enough. But Carlin Grant did go. Okay, Carlin Grant did go, uh, and he says about the Aaron's deal. Okay, it was ready to go. But then, in essence, something came up. Well, if it was ready to go, I don't understand why Rolando Aarons isn't a Huddersfield Town player. Okay, they've said that something's come up. Maybe they can't divulge that to us. Um, but my issue goes further because rather than bring, and this is Phil continuing, so rather than bringing someone in at the last minute or bringing in someone else, he's our top target. He remains, sir. And what we'd rather do is get through the next 10 weeks of January and get it done then rather than bring in somebody that maybe doesn't tick all the boxes Rolando did. Okay, this is Rolando Aarons, right? This isn't a young Barcelona prodigy. And we're making out it as if he is the be-all and end-all, the saviour for our season and the man that we must have. Um, making out that the lad who spent time at Wickham and Motherwell last season um, is the only option we can go for. And we'd rather hold out for 10 weeks, in which time we've got a saturated fixture list um, and a busy calendar. Rather than bring someone else in, I don't know, that didn't sit well with me, actually. That didn't sit well with me. So I don't know what's gone on there. 
Um, do I believe that he is this uh, this hailed target that's going to take us forward and no one else could live up to the billing? I don't know. Do the math. It, it doesn't do it for me. So in summary, OK, some good points, but also throws up a lot of new questions. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo a lot of what you said there, Cam. I think it, it reads like a series of contradictions for me. There's there's parts that I agree with. Finance-wise, I don't think anyone would argue that the, the, the club, obviously, the survival of the club in these times comes first. Obviously, there's a lot of points within that that you know people are debating, rightly so. Um, but in terms of the transfer activity, um, <laughs> to some of the transfer deadline day, I think probably if we're going down the Spanish route, we'll probably um, call it Esense Unapaja. And I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but it basically um, translates into wank. And that's what that's my basic overall summary of the last day of the transfer window, because, you know, only Huddersfield Town could sell, you know, two players that contributed 60% of their total goals last season and not replace them at all. Um, we're looking to Rolando, obviously, to, to come in, as you say, and be our saviour. But the guy scored about 13 goals in his entire career. He's not a young, um, really, in terms of, I think he's nearly 25. I think he turns 25 next month. So I'm, I'm struggling to see. I, I hope I'm wrong because it looks like he's probably going to come in in, in January. But I'm struggling to see... Um, what he's going to bring, really. And to say we've got five strikers on the books, as you've said, you know, them two youngsters, again, they might come good, but, you know, at the same time, we can't rely just on youth all the time. The original question was about forwards as well, not just strikers. And he's almost just brushing over it. And later on in the interview, we are talking about the progress of Osterfield and Jackson saying, look, we don't need to bring in um, loads more players. We're happy with what we've got because we've got these youngsters and we want to provide this this pathway of progression. We want to encourage um, players to come in rather than choosing Premier League clubs. We want them to come to Huddersfield um, because we've got this amazing progressive system. But if that's the case, I mean, we've just signed a, a defensive midfielder, um, Vallejo. I think that's the correct pronunciation. I could be wrong. Vallejo. He's nodding. Um, why have we brought him in then if we've got Osterfield and, and Jackson ready to, to come in? It, the, I don't know. This just seems... I mean, I'm, I'm not complaining because we need squad depth. The squad's way for thin. And if we, if we get a couple of injuries, then we are in trouble, um, you know, to say the least. We, but it just seems a bit of a series of contradictions for me. And um, there's just something not, not quite right to me about it all. It's quite clear from the interview that um, when Phil first came in, we all believed it was a bit of a denial light. And he basically said as much as himself. He said that if the club would continue in a similar way, he'd be able to invest a similar amount to, to Dean Hall. And OK, it might have changed a little bit because of what's going on. I, I understand that. And then when you've got um, DTS talking about we've been the most open club he's ever known for the last 15 years and then saying we're not going to tell everybody the plan. Well, that is a change. There is a change there. The club are now admitting it. And that's great. To be honest, I just wanted honesty on that. Like if that's the way they want to go, that's fine. But um, it's not the way it has been run before. And by by what we've read today, um, it, it won't be going forward either. The Brentford model discussion seems to have dropped out the window. That doesn't seem to be there anymore. Um, and, and that's, again, if that's the way we're going, absolutely fine. I've got a problem with that. Regarding the strikers, we started in Benzer up front at the weekend. We started in Benzer as a striker. I didn't mention him as a list of strikers. So already, even by the club's own admission, we're using strikers that aren't what we deem to be strikers and we, we we think we've got enough in the squad 
The um, the system we're playing has been unseen by clubs in our division. What that means is we're going into games and it's pretty difficult for clubs to scout us. So um, we're getting away with quite a lot and, and it's going to be more affected now than it will be later on in regards to people being able to counter us. We're gambling on this form continuing with a, with a squad that, as we all know, is, is so thin. Again, at the weekend, fullbacks clears havoc. They, 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 they were fantastic and we're going to rely on players and fullbacks that have never played in this division before to, to cover them when, when injuries creep in. 22 games, 22 days. I think we've got seven games. I think that's where it adds up to in the next next few weeks, and that's that's ridiculous. And what we've got will be tested, and at the end of those 22 days, we'll know a lot more about where we currently are as a squad. They've come out pretty early on after a win. I know that the interview was done beforehand, um, but the results up until then have been pretty good. So it is a good time for them to come out and talk about it for them. Um, but the gamble hasn't paid off just yet. It started well. It has started well. Coburn looks looks fantastic to me. His football, his, his in-game adjustments look look perfect. I just wish we'd have been able to back him up a little bit more. We've had 17 players out. I think the recent count is since last year's squad. You can try and... F- it's not fudging figures, but you're, um, it, it, clubs have always had youth players in, in given squad numbers, yet you don't necessarily count them as your first-team players. We suddenly are doing... Now, that that looks great on paper. But football's not played on paper, it's played on the field, played on the grass, as, as the Carlies love, love to say. We've got players who will be on the grass that haven't been on the grass before in front of in front of um, the expectations of, of first-team football. And, and it'll, it'll be found out, I think, unfortunately. So um, the club have, have been bold. They've put full faith in Corbyn. The plan is pretty clear to tell us only what they want to tell us, um, to give Corbyn as little as possible, to, to keep it as tight financially until this... Um, coronavirus is, is is sorted out um, but from what the interview told us was not very much it missed out on a lot of things for me stadium ownership is that share in a, a, a trust away from the club away from Phil away from Dean where is it Canal side who owns who owns Canal side who owns the land on Canal side again biggest question still not being asked Canal side was planned to be 20 million Devlin said it was 6 to 7 million Where's that 30 million gone? Because that happened prior to any coronavirus issue. That happened well before that. Costs were cut. The question wasn't asked or it wasn't reported on. It wasn't answered. The questions that were asked were fantastic for short-term football things for me. Chicken's fantastic. Great questions on that. Maybe a little bit won't answer it. I don't know. But the, the longer-term stadium and canal side issues, they, they, weren't, they weren't resolved. And the video might be coming on, on canal side this week. That would be fantastic. But it still doesn't answer the question of why it was cut in the first place before any of this crisis happened. So either, well, the, the other thing there was that he came out saying our, our budget now is is higher than it's ever been in the championship prior to last season. Um, but the Carlis said it was 18 million or something in January. So now with Congolo and, and Grant leaving, it must have dropped further. It, it just There's a few things there that didn't make sense. And maybe in time it'll become clear, but at least they're talking to us again. At least that is a little bit of a start. I, I could echo loads of things that you guys have already said. Um, for me, there were two extra points I'd probably touch on. Uh, first one is positive in the fact that I think it, it sounds like Phil's learned a little bit. There's no kind of big promises in there. There's none of this. We're going to sign loads of Premier League loans. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. It was all very restrained, which is probably why DTS was there to make sure he could hold him back. Um <laughs> And then on the flip side of it, actually, to the bit at the end of the interview where DTS speaks, um, 
he mentioned that the end of the transfer window was the right time to speak. And when Chicken asked him, um, is that because you don't want to go on and say we've got loads of money or we've not got any money? He sort of says, yeah. But then Phil's already said before this that we're sorted for two years. The rest of us, he's been fighting on national radio and everything for all the other clubs because he loves football. Um, but we're sorted for two years. So that gives away our negotiating position anyway. That was the whole point of doing this at the end of the transfer window was to not ruin our negotiating window. But then Phil's already said, yeah, we're sorted. And January is only 10 weeks away. So now everyone's just going to ask more money from us in January. It, that, that's just a contradiction within itself. And I, I don't get that bit. It, from a communications director, I wouldn't expect him to then just completely go and trip up what his boss has said probably 10 minutes prior. Um, but yeah, I think main thing, like you said, Cam, that kind of got to me was the, the bit on Aaron's. He sounded so much like Boris Johnson. Oh, yeah, it was ready. It was ready. But it's not ready, is it? It's not ready yet. So, like, surely every provision should have been taken. Like, the medical didn't get done. Kind of understand that. You might want to pay, not want to pay for all their medical tests. But if he's as good as he says he is, just get it booked in, get it done beforehand. He knew that Grant was gone Thursday. He had a full day to do it. All that should have been left to do, if it was competent and it was ready, was completing that medical and then signing the piece of paper. Every provision should have been taken to rule that out and he should be through the door from what quite a few people have said and media outlets and stuff. He's been in Rusfield for four days before Friday and we still didn't manage to get it done. Like, that's just criminal. And it just touching back, like you said, Greg, yeah, we, we look quite good on the pitch on Saturday, but in a way, it, it kind of made me even more angry that then the club messed up so much with that because you could see what we can potentially be doing here and what Carlos can be doing. But it's just seemingly simple mistakes. Again, it's not good enough to just come out and say, oh, yeah, something went wrong. So I'm sorry, it's in order to fill four days. Something can't just go wrong. Verbs, it, it can. And I'm going to go back to something Ross Wilson did. Ross Wilson did a really good interview a couple of years ago where he spoke about the Mark Hudson transfer and um, when we were bringing Mark Hudson in, another club found out last minute and tried to get in, involved. And and if you listen, you know, I, lockdown and that's made me listen to a hell of a lot of podcasts. Uh, I think it was a joe.co.uk one with Steve Sidwell. He was on about, he, he got, um, I can't remember, he was signing for someone and another club come in. I think it was Stoke, might have come in for him. Uh, and, and, he's gone in a different direction. So it might have been in the case of that. So you don't know. And, you know, they're keeping the cards close to the chest. And I'd, I'd much like, I much prefer him to say, listen, we're changing tact, as, as Ian pointed out earlier, than, than kind of pretend like everything's savvy. And, uh, you know, we don't know what happened. Um, to be honest, I'm not asked. I don't think he's good enough. Um if you're not pulling up trees at Wickham in League One, then you're probably not going to be good enough for us. I'm, I'm happy for you to prove me wrong. Um, I'm happy for always be proved wrong if it means some time winning football matches. But, you know, I think I'd much rather just say we're going to hold our cars close to the chest because what, what then you get from this interview is you've got a certain type of fan who, who's, who's now going, oh, look, they've done something. You've got to be happy with that. 
and and we've just gone through that and gone, well, I'm not happy with that. They've contradicted themselves on that. We've not solved the issue at Canal Side or the Stadium shares yet. They're, and they're, oh, you don't need to know that. Well, I think you do because ultimately stakeholders in football clubs do need to know things. So, listen, I, I there's a little bit of humility in there. There's a little bit of honesty in there. It's better than what we've had. But like I said at the start, I, I think there was a lot of waffle, a lot of shade. It doesn't really mean much at, at the minute. Um, I think the most important thing for me is on on the field now. That's that's what I care about because off the field, it, it, that the the disconnect is real. And those people who are on social media, the the irony is the saying that the people on social media aren't fans and are calling each other morons or look at the state of our fans. And it's just like I don't know if it's an age thing and and you know we remember fucking Rubery and Wadsworth and all that stuff. Cam doesn't because he was too young. But um, when you see the club going into the shit and you've got some a young lad going on on Twitter saying that Hoyle saved the club because Davy was running into the ground. No, he wasn't. He was he was um, <laughs> he was running it basically at break even because six thousand fans in the in the ground doesn't equate to much money. We, I, it is what it is. I'm glad it's happened. I think Stephen Chicken's done a fairly good job at the examiner and fair play to him for getting this sorted. I am a communications professional. How much of that has been edited behind the scenes and things are not allowed to be said. I've done it with certain questions and when I've had to be looking after someone with an interview, I know the score. There'll be certain things that won't be included in that, which we're not allowed to know. They're the bits I would love to know. And, that's that's a journalist in me. There is one problem, Greg, with the entire thing that we actually missed out on, and it's all right saying that the 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 club are getting a bit they don't want to tell us everything, but we everyone's thrown into the same box in the club's view, and I think some people are asking questions that aren't necessary, so they will give a town an advantage when it comes to negotiating with the clubs. We're not after that information; we're after the bigger information, the stuff like the canal side, like the stadium. But when Phil responds in the interview saying. We can't answer every question. We can't answer every question every hour. And then somebody else said every hour. Like, the, 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 the implication of that, they're implying that we shouldn't answer anything. And that, that's not what we're after. It's not every single decision that needs to be answered. Nobody's asking for that information. It's the big questions, but we don't have the opportunity to ask them because the only way they do it is through a, a meeting where they invite their own 14 people at the ATT, all together town meetings. And then you've got uh, a transcribed interview in the examiner which will have been edited. They're still not given the opportunity to ask the big questions, not the questions that affect the footballers on the field on a game-to-game basis, but the bigger things are surrounding the club. There's no advantage given to any other club in the division by answering the question about the training facility or the stadium facility. But when they're rubbishing us saying, yeah, we're getting asked the questions every hour, it kind of throws everybody in the same bus and they can just ignore it. And I think certain fans see that, jump on board, and then it turns fans against each other. And I think they are actually fanning the flames to stop people asking questions that have a right to be asked, in my opinion. You do wonder whether the the Ronaldo, uh, Rolando, I mustn't call him Ronaldo. It's not Ronaldo. It's a Rolando Arons. You know whether that the fall down of that transfer actually was <laughs> might have been a good bit of good news because the bit the bits of, of football teams that most fans see are the ins and outs. It's the people on the pitch. So I was a lot talking about why didn't he sign? What happened there? Why did that fall through? No, we'll never know why in full. It's a great distraction. 
Um, you know, I mean, the, the issue I have, the biggest issue I have with the, the Aaron's fall through on the last day is that seemed to be the only egg we had in our basket. But absolutely zero other options. We, we, you know, we we keep saying we scout the markets and we're constantly looking. And our some our at some is a bloke that Newcastle want rid of who, who wasn't good enough for Wickham last year. Ain't great anyway, is it? I think that that was my biggest disappointment. And I, I had I, I had a look through some of the other transfers that have been done across the Championship. And yeah, he's right. You know, the the volume turnover of players is a lot lower, and the spend is a lot lower. And, and so it bloody should be. But what I don't get is, is our business looks the most vapid. It looks the thinnest. That would be my worry. And then I'm with you, Ian. I think they're, they're desperately trying to avoid talking about things they don't want to talk about. So they're happy to talk about shirt sponsorship and they're happy to talk about, you know, the bloke was here three days and something at last minute because that's not the real question, is it? I don't think. I think you're right. This will fan the flames for a lot of fans because a lot of fans don't care about other stuff. They just care about what's happening on the pitch. And that is the majority of what you would see on social media is, oh, I'm annoyed because we've not brought in another player and I want to see his win on the pitch. Um, This will do that. But like Greg said, this will be irrelevant if good things don't happen on the pitch now. And fair play, Phil said that he's saving the money and he's putting it in the bank to protect the future of the club. Um. And for him as well as a fan, that, that's got to be hard. That's got to be hard for him to weigh that up and sort of say, you know what, I'll put this away for a long period of time because um, it could well be detrimental to our future as a championship club. Like Putting away for two years when other clubs can probably max put away for two months and hope that there's some kind of bailout, like, that's a very privileged position, but also put, potentially puts us at more risk than other teams. Um, so, like you said, Greg, the judgment after this will be on the pitch. And if we lose any more players to injury as well, um, I, and and it is that that, that the front two or front three, whatever they're going to play, where we are most at risk because you have got Josh Caroma, who's probably in his breakout season. He's probably Lewis O'Brien last year. You're hoping he's having the Lewis O'Brien season. And, I do like what I see and he's got some end product finally in there but when you're relying on Diakabi and Mbenza I've always thought there's a player in Mbenza most of his goals in the French League came playing up front so you know when he's talking about five strikers he might want to say four strikers and and put Mbenza in that but it's the lack of wingers and you know there was a little bit in about the free transfer market so it wouldn't surprise me if one or two more were brought in on the free transfer market I think because, I mean, Ian said it for a few weeks. There's, there's going to be a bit of value in that. Um, it'd be interesting to see, but yeah, listen, the the, the, the uh, we're we're very similar in the sense that we we, we care about how the clubs run, and that's because you want. A, I think when you nearly see your club club go bust when you're a kid, you don't you don't want us to be in that position again. And I've got mates who I went to uni with who support, support clubs like Rushton Diamonds and Berry. I've seen their clubs go bust. I don't want Town to be in that position and, and I think this has been a steady decline in the relationship with, with fans and the club over the last six months. Well, yeah, probably six months, I'd say, actually. And it, when you're seeing your chairman and the CEO 
going on to national media outlets, put the same words like doomsday scenario, it kind of brings all that back to you when you've got buckets at grounds trying to collect and save it, save your club from, from going under. So I think that was a bit of misguided attention from, from the club and, and they, they have to take, take it on the chin and learn from it. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. It's to the pitch where I, I, I'm more concerned now because we have brought in Cam. Please, please do the pronunciation of uh, uh, Bayeo. Uh, Alex Bayeo. 20 second Spanish lesson. So the so Alex is Alex, and then a V in Spanish is a B, double L is a Y, and a J is like an awkward sort of scouse that you get an echo. Um, so that's what you're going with. Uh, Alex Bayeo. There you go. Um, if you want to do Spanish, Cam's available for hire. He's probably doing some kind of online course. He's in need of the money. Um, I, I haven't got a clue about Spanish. Uh, me and my mate Robbo used to do Yorkshire French in our kind of French lessons at school. That's all we got with. But um, yeah, Alex Bayeo, I'm going to call him that because that's probably the best time we're going to do, joins from, um, well, he's uh, La Liga 2, where he spent the majority of his career as, as a number six to compete with Jonathan Hogg. Um, don't know anything about him. It's another body. It's nice to see, but it, it, it doesn't sort that front three out. And I, I, that's my biggest concern going into the next period of games where we've got a lot of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesdays. And that's what kills you. We saw that the year we went up with Wagner where we had nine games in 31 days. Seven in 22 is just as bad. It's all right, Cam, saying that the pronunciation, right? But last time we brought in a Spanish lad, we had this discussion on Pippa, Pippa, Pippa. And we were unsure on how his, how his name was pronunciated. And then in the first game he played for us, I was trying to work out what, what the commentators calling him. They had a few different guys. And then because there's no, no, no crowds in the stadium, he, um, he lost his tracker. He was tracking a, a winger and he lost him. I think it was Scott from the bench said, Fucking hell, Pippa! Watch him. So that's I know I know that's his pronunciation anyway. So if um, if we'll know by the weekend if he starts because someone will shout some stuff at him, no doubt, and we can clear that up straight away. But um, he looks like he's going to come into play as a, as a DCM. He's a big, tall lad, and from the Swans game, which we'll go on to in a minute, I imagine. Um, the gap between our defence and our front five is, is massive. The, the system is such a strength. There's very few players in the middle of the field. And I think what we're looking at there is we've brought in a, a tall guy to, to clear up the long balls. Um, Johnny Hogg's a bit of a small dude. He does, he's not very great in the air. Um, a lot of teams in this division are quite physical strikers this year, quite big, tall lads. Um, and I think he's there to, to break up um, stuff like dead balls. He, he's going to be the... Again, I call it. I like to call them the meat eaters, and that is that when the ball's up in the air, you have a guy that's pretty zonal, and, and he goes and wins that first ball every time. I think that's the idea with him. I think he's he's coming in there, big lad, to win the headers um, from longer balls. Um, no idea if he's going to be any good, but we need a extra bodies. Um, Hogg's been found out recently for me. I think his ball playing isn't good enough, not good enough. And with this entire new system we had at the weekend that we haven't seen before, um, I don't think Hogg's the right guy to be in there. We, we saw. Iting and what he could do, um, and in like what twenty minutes you could see it was a class of what Hog can do when it when it comes to being on the ball. So I think this is a, this is trying um, off give let us have something a little bit different in the midfield, a bit more bite airily, airily to, um, to to clear to clear out and, and turn the ball back over into our favour. So it's an interesting signing. It's always nice getting another foreigner, in, isn't it? Um, 
so we're one for one on we're one for two on Spanish signings, aren't we? We're Lopez, who's never never really hit off, and now we've got fucking El Pippa, who's banging. So um, let's just see how it goes. I think, like you said, Ian, this um, Baeco, um he um, he could he could kind of solve part of the problem that we've got. So um, I think you mentioned that we'll get caught between the fullback and the centre back because our fullbacks are just going to bomb on so much. And this guy being what six foot three, something like that, I think he will basically drop in and form a back three. Because um, I don't know if you saw Cobran's. Uh, news conference earlier today as well. Um, he basically came out and spoke about the fullbacks, and so we're sort of saying, yeah, Jaden Brown can do the same kind of things attacking wise that Toffolo can. I don't think he can to that level, but he's obviously a young backup, and that's what he's trying to make him. But then he went on and spoke quite a bit about different um, right back options that we've got and how they're basically wingers. Um, so St. Peeper was a winger. We've got Duane, who um, is more of an attacking fullback, a bit weak defensively. And then, um, what's his name? Uh, the kid that played at West Ham, that was a winger as well. Um, that's now Aaron right wing back. Oh. Aaron Rowe, that's the one. Um, basically saying there are options for fullback. And if we did just have Hogg, we would just get done constantly. Um, but if him dropping in and making it three, like we played on Saturday... That could help with that because Hogg's not physical enough to play as that almost third centre-back and allow the full-backs to bomb on. Um, so I think that's what he's looking at. And I think this will kind of gradually be the phasing out of Jonathan Hogg. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't here next season and we just got two kind of big, tall centre-mids, um, another version of this guy that we've just got in. We're slowly adding some more height to the team, aren't we? In Sar and this guy, um, we've been a bit short. From you look at set pieces when a corner comes in, you you don't um, you've no confidence anyone's going to meet it with the, with the height of the players that we've got. So if anything, if nothing else, he adds a bit of height to the side, which is always welcome. So I think he'll be a decent a decent squad player. It takes some of the pressure off Hog. I don't think I think him Hog will um, interchange. I was hoping to see maybe Iting in that role. Um, it doesn't look like that's gonna that's gonna happen, but um, but now I think he'll be a, a good squad player for us moving forward. Yeah, there's 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 not much about him about because usually you get uh, the Jonathan Tahoe YouTube uh, you know compilation, but unfortunately that's that's not been around with the you know the, the social media team at town with the little magnifying fine glass. So I'm not sure uh, TV's hit La Liga two yet, but um, Saturday. Let's go to Swansea because on the field it was an interesting game. Town playing a new formation, <laughs> two on win. It was nice to, to create chances and score goals. Josh Caroma scored his first. Uh, Harry Toffolo with a cheeky little flick. Um, and Ben Zanilli scored a couple of times, which is nice to see because I do think there is a player in there somewhere if he sorts his touch out. Um, but on, on the other end of that I think Swansea will be a little bit aggrieved because um, Ben Hamer made a couple of really, really good saves. One on the one, the one on one in the first half. He won't get the credit. He stayed big. I'm a goalkeeper, not a very good one. I would have gone down very easily and guessed uh, a bit like Kepper Aratha Balaga. But um, he stayed big, made a really, really good save. We still look 
Um, Schindler, seven interceptions the most, I think, this season. So defensively, we were made to work. So there is still a little bit of unease at the back, but you can't complain. Some of the football we played was really, really good. Yeah, I was, I was really pleased with that. You know, I think we were wrong. All of us uh, went for, we looked on the draw, I uh, looked on the defeat, should I say. I did, uh, my I was, internet went, just to get that in there. Oh, but you now, because I, you know, I was, I really, I'll be honest, I really could not envisage a win coming and that was before the whole storm hit this week. Um, you know, well, well, Clouds were rolling in off the pitch. You know, the, the lads were obviously unbowed by the pressure. And full credit to to them and to and to Carlos as well. Uh, I thought there were a number of uh, of standout performers. I thought Saar was strong again. It gave us a bit of a hairy moment from a, a back pass early beyond early on, I believe. But um, he looked solid. Uh, Karoma, okay, slow start. He was uh, he was quite quiet in the early period, but he he matured into it. Uh, a lot of pressure on some young shoulders there. I thought he took his finish superbly well. Could have had a couple to be honest. So. I was glad he got one now. I wouldn't want that run to just drag on and on and on, especially with us being so reliant on him. Um, so, no, that was good to see from a young lad. But again, and like we said, another man of the match shout has to go to Ben Hamer. Uh, I personally think the penalty was a little bit harsh. Um, but, you know, he did everything that was asked of him. A lot of routine saves as well. You've, we saw against Forrest, he pulled off a couple of, of, of wondrous stops. But it wasn't really the case on Saturday. He just—he was just a wall. He stopped to what came at him, uh, and that's all you can ask. You know, I, I read that that Swansea's XG was was three point three. You know, highest in 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 Championship for the whole weekend. Um, so you know, there's something stopping that, and it was him. So absolutely fair play, credit where credit is due, because he often does get a bad rap. And this season, I, I don't want to jinx it too early, but he's starting to grow. And then again, the other player we, we need to mention, of course, is Benza, who also looks to be growing. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I wish that we weren't reliant so heavily on these players and playing them uh, as a striker. It would be nice to see him mature away from the pressure, which is the, the thing I worry about with Karoma as well. Um, OK, but he's had a bit more first team experience here, or at least he's been around the first team setup for longer. Um, but Carlos seems to be getting something out of him that no manager could before. Um, there's obviously a player in there. There's obviously some skill in there. Uh, he latched onto a really good ball from Iting, um second half. He was lucky not to get a goal himself, but it was also nice to see him speak so highly of um, of Carlos and, and the backroom staff post match. So you know he seems to be someone. He seems to be someone who's enjoying his football, uh, and, and let's be honest, he's going to get a lot of it over the next few weeks. Um, so you know, long may that continue. I thought it brought out, it exposed okay again some frailties that um, that better tacticians than myself, I'm sure, will talk on him and have talked on in greater detail. Um, but in a week where we really needed a good showing on the field, um, it certainly delivered that because it would have been a really sour end to a dour weekend. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've got to say that I, was, I thoroughly enjoyed watching that game. I felt entertained. It was good to see us playing some, um, some, some intricate football. And I'm actually excited now and looking forward to seeing what the rest of his matches leading up to the end of this month and, can can bring us. I think um, it, it, it was non-stop positives for me. It was the Swansea game. I thought I thought Carlos got the tactics absolutely spot on. He broke the game down into chunks, which I always like to see. You know, we we we, we managed to contain them. I know they obviously had the chance for the penalty, but we managed to contain them pretty much in the first half. I thought for the first twenty minutes, half hour of the second half, I thought we were phenomenal. Um, the two wide, the two strikers almost played wide. They kept getting, they kept making runs out, 
outside the 18-yard box in towards the corner flag, and, and that left all that room for the full-backs to bomb in. I thought Toffolo and Pippa were just unreal again. I mean, I, those boys do cover some miles, they really do. Um, you know, Ben Emmer made that, I mean, that the save, as you said, the one-on-one save was just, it was top draw. If that had been Allison or, or the Man City keeper that had played it a hundred times on, on match of the day, his distribution continues to give me the, the EBGBs. You know, still managed to slice it to their player once or twice, but, you know, he's massively improved. You know, we're looking really good on the pitch, really good on the pitch. And I think this unknown uh, coach that we managed to somehow burgle from Leeds is starting to look like a, a stroke of genius, you know, I, I, and I enjoyed it. I'm with you, Cam. You know, it's really nice watching the game and enjoying it and seeing it unfold. And if the, the game could have been 4-4 on Saturday, you know, that's how open it was and that's how attacking it was. And, and I guess that's what we all want to see. But uh, it's made even the sweet, of course, when we managed to sneak away with the three points. Absolutely phenomenal result. You know, it could be one of the wins that that's a terrific result to go to Swansea, not an easy place to go to, but not lost so far this season. And to get a result like that, I thought was absolutely phenomenal, absolutely buzzing. Um, really impressed with Carlos, with his tactics and the fitness is telling as well. You know, last season, similarly at Rotherham, they kept going, they were under the cosh um, towards the end of the second half, but they dug in deep, they were disciplined and the fitness, you can see the fitness is starting to tell now. Players are a lot fitter than grinding these results out. As you said, fantastic save from Hamer. If that goes in, it could be a different game. I thought he was slightly unlucky with the penalty because his momentum takes him into the to the player, um, Smith. But I think, although Item was fantastic most of the game, I think he does lose Smith running through. Um, he just loses his man, um, unfortunately. But I thought overall, absolutely fantastic performance. And Benz's um, coming into his own, very unlucky with the step inside and the shot against the post. Great goal from Karoma, although I'm not sure who was supposed to be marking him. Um, but you look at the stats, XG of 1.46 is better than the average of less than one, um, what we're used to. 48% um, possession, but three shots on target, which is kind of pointing to the fact that we're now starting to get to a point where we're doing more with the ball. So traditionally, we'd have more possession, but the XG, the shots on target, would be next to zero. So we're starting to see um, the stats pointing to us doing more with the ball, being more effective with the ball, creating more chances. Swansea's 3.3 still is a little cause for concern, and we need to start limiting the chances that the opposition are getting. But I think it's pointed. There's good signs. There's good signs. Um, really impressed, and, and hopefully we can take that on. And a special mention to uh, to Toffolo as well. I mean, he's just a, he's an absolute machine. You look at the two main um, contributions to Towns XG. They're both from Harry Toffolo, and they both come from the centre of the box, which shows that essentially he's our main attacking threat. You know, that, that's how important a player he is. And he shows the energy levels to get, you know, cover the entire length of the pitch. I think he's, he's definitely our best player at the moment. Absolutely amazing find. I think for me, there were two things that stood out. One, you've already touched on it, guys, the, the tactics from Corbran. Um, what I enjoyed most about it was the tactical flexibility. So it was just good to see that he's got a plan B. Yes, the kind of press and the way we want to play football might be similar, but he's 
he's happy to shift the formation depending on who we're playing and to give us the best chance. It was it was something that Wagner never really mastered, and for all the good that he did, and it will probably be the best two seasons in our lifetimes. But that kind of tactical flexibility. He's changed it from nowhere. At no point did I expect him to play with a back three. We, I think, we had a few texts before the game, and we were looking at it, going, "Is this five five zero? Is it? Is he trying to play five three two? Like, what's going on here? We we just didn't know." Um, but that for me was really impressive because it mean, it means you kind of go into any game thinking we could do something rather than going, "Oh, we're going to go in, we're going to play four three three, we're going to try this," but. The players might not be good enough, so best we can hope for is maybe nicking a late draw or something like that. We we could genuinely go into games and have a bit of confidence now. Um, and then the other player has been mentioned a little bit by Iting. Um, I watched most of the game um, and what, then watched the extended highlights back as well. And the big thing for me was the forward passes from him. We, we've not had someone that looks to find the gaps and can thread a ball through like he's been doing. Um, since Moy, essentially. We've been crying out for that Moy replacement since he went on the final day of the last summer's transfer window. And um, the little touch that he did for around the corner for Mbenza, um, and then two minutes later, the ball into Toffolo when he had a great game with Toffolo, but Jesus, you've got to score there, mate. He's centre of the goal, five yards out, and he's put it wide. But we'll let him off because... Uh, he definitely meant that flick for first goal, didn't he? <laughs> we'll let him off for the for the miss. Um, but yeah, I think like you guys have said, nothing but positives really. Tighten up at the back a little bit. Hopefully, this new guy can help with that. And um, let's see what we can do. It's really important if you play one system that you have the money to go out and buy the best you can to play that one system because you can't change it if things are going wrong. We kind of thought. And we're led to believe it was Beelzebub ball. That's what we were getting. It was, that's what time we're going to be. It's not at all. This guy, Corbin, his in-game adjustments is as good. And considering the personnel we have, maybe better than the Cowleys. And now my my um, standing on that was, was clear. They used to change the game the last 20 minutes better than I've ever seen any manager do at any level, at any time, for any team. The football was boring for 70 minutes, but they changed it, little tweaks, and found a way to win. I found a way to take something from games. On Saturday, we started with a 3-5-2. That's what we started with. And straight away, Lowe was getting in behind Steers and Pippa, who was running in that little diagonal there. And that's where the one-on-one came from. Um, and within 10 minutes, we changed. So we've gone out with a 3-5-2 and we changed straight away to a 5-3-2 because we were getting overrun. We, we could have been 3-0 down in the first 15 minutes. If Ben Aim is not on, on the game like he was at the weekend, we'd have 3-0 down. And people forget that. People always remember how the second half goes in football games. That's right, but you still it's still based on the foundations built in the first half and the game could have been put to bed before we even woke up. Um, again, it's again moments and, and things went in our favour. Um, and to me, it was, it was on Hamer, but we, we dropped back to that 5-3-2 just to control the game a little bit. And we had to do it, otherwise they'd run off of it. And then we, we scored a goal and let's be honest, guys, that first goal came from absolutely nothing. We weren't even really in the game until, until that went in. But the really good thing about that, I know it came from a corner, but that's, not entirely relevant when it, in regards to what I'm going to say that for years we've had nobody in the box. For years we've got one guy in the box and one winger trying to get in at the back post and he's normally a bit late and never got there. So Mounier was always on his own. Um, we've got six and five and six people in the box every time we go forward at the moment and that first goal comes directly from that in that there's so many bodies there 
Bakuna's put one in and, and um, Toffolo just redirected it into the goal. That's what happens when you've got bodies there. It's hard for keepers to see what's going on. Greg's not only a communications expert, he's a goalkeeper as well. So he'll tell you that it's a little bit hard when there's so many people up there. It just takes it just takes different bounces and it goes in. You speculate to accumulate a little bit when it comes to men in the box and scoring goals. And, and that's really, really good to see. I didn't I did miss the interview um or the pre-match interview today, guys, in regards to us having fullbacks that can come in and do a job. Well, Jaden Brown must be the third best fullback in the championship to be able to come in and do as well as Pippa and um as well as Pippa can do with Toffolo on the left, because honestly, those two are the best fullbacks in this division. There's no doubt in my mind they are. For, for what we need them to do, there is not any other fullback in the division I'd go out and get to bring in to replace them. They are phenomenal. The miles they run, guys, like you're saying, we will test it in the next few, next seven games, next six games now. They're going to get tested in regards to how the body how the bodies can handle how much running we ask from them. Because they are something I've never seen fullbacks be able to do what they can do week in, week out. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. And for how what hundred million we've spent on the pair of them all up, like that, that is probably the best money we've spent other than on strikers in my entire time supporting talent. It's crazy. They are so good. Um, but after getting lucky with the with the Hamer stuff and scoring against everyone at play, the game just kind of fell to us. We we we, we controlled that game. Bakuna and Iting in midfield, they're gonna cause night, they're gonna cause a lot of problems for a lot of teams. Bakuna's a bit more laid back. We know that when he's playing, he's a bit casual, but Iting plays with the same rigour and, and effort as our fullbacks do. He's everywhere. For the Toffolo chance, Tom, and he, he, he actually played the ball to Toffolo, right? Toffolo's run straight at goal. And, and, and it, by the time Toffolo shoots and, and should have scored, Iting's two yards to the left of him for an easy tap-in. He's not only passed the ball into him, he's gone for the second ball. I know that's so important. That's so, it's so important. And we, we don't do that enough. That, that, that's when we used to attack. The midfielders never used to follow the ball forward. But Iting's played into Toffolo. And he's still there. And he, should, he should have been an easy... An easy pass from Toffolo to Iting to tap it in. But um, Toffolo, he, he fancied a break, so we, we can't go too hard at him for that. But I thought it was pretty harsh, the penalty on Hamer. I, I, I thought he did so well to come out. Was it a penalty? Well, compared to Pickford, it wasn't a bloody pen, were it? So, <laughs> well, if, if, if a referee is actually saying that <clears> it's a dodgy pen, which well, Cam is a bastard in the black, you know, Sorry, Cam, but you know you've got the qualification. If you're saying it, it's an iffy pen, it's an iffy pen because you know referees are notoriously bastards when it comes to that. And I didn't think it was a pen, and I, I felt sorry for him because when you when you're following a game, it, it's Ben Aim is the one person you don't want to make a mistake anymore because fans jump on him. And listen, I rem- I think we remember when he was at Charlton when we were in League One, we went up together in that same season. Uh, you know, he was a very, very good goalkeeper. He's got a crisis of confidence. And yeah, fucking great game. But he won a pen. Never a pen. Yeah, the ball's oh, yeah, gone. The, ball, the, ball's, the ball's gone out, Cam. The, so, sorry, Cam. The ball's well gone. Like The ball's well, well gone there. It's not in play anymore. You can't... To give a penalty on that. And he took so long. You can see... If it was nil-nil, he doesn't give that penalty. He doesn't give that penalty nil. I, I mean, nil down. I, mean I, I can't put my name against... I can't put my name against anything to, like, saying that, you know, a certain scoreline or a certain time in the game. But but, but what I will... What I will certainly agree in is that I thought... Because, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I used to ref to, like... Um, well, I lined up to, like, Northern County stands. So I, I did six, seven years, is it? And so, like, you know, you... You have to spot these things. And for me, the first thing I saw it, and okay, caveat, I had Matt Glennon over the airwaves in my ear, you know, uh, poisoning me with his, uh, with his with his pro goalkeeping opinions. That may have sided with me somewhat. But I think the ball is gone. Um, the touch has been made. It's past him. And I think it's just momentum that follows it through. Um, and so, 
you know, okay, I've only had the benefit of a what three or four uh, I follow uh, replays to make my mind make my mind up. But if that's me not really siding with it after four goes, but yeah, I, I'm. I think it was a. You've seen them giving, of course, but yeah, it was it was a tame one. However, you know, okay, I feel I feel duty bound um, to 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 add in that, of course, you know, he, he gets one look at it. Uh, it's in real time. Uh, I'm sure that you know the score didn't come into his head once at all. But you know, I thought I felt for him on that one. I thought that was the only foot. Okay, no, actually, other than the distribution, of course, which you mentioned, I thought that was a foot he put wrong that he couldn't really do a lot about. And so, you know, whilst I'd like to see a few less hairy moments in clearing out from the back, um, I don't think he did very much wrong there. Uh, and, and like you said, you know, he's clearly suffering for confidence. I hope he's getting that back. Uh, his post-match interview against um, against Forrest, you know, he had a it was a fantastic performance. He looked like a man very relieved. Um, and you know, we've all seen on 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 HTAC hashtag on Twitter, just as everywhere else on that site. You know, there's a lot of people on there who will present their views and, and back it up, or who will be measuring their views. And I think there's a lot of people as well who uh, have a lot of anger to get out and, and might want to speak to someone about it. And so, you know, it's very easy to aim it at a footballer. And as the la- last line of defence, he's get, he's going to obviously be in in the firing line. And so, yeah, he is. Out of anyone in that squad, he is the the person I most want to do well on a human level. He comes across as a genuinely nice person. Uh, he obviously has ability. He's made a whole career um, at this level and higher. I'm sorry, at this level in League One lot and higher. Um, so it's well within his capability. So you know what player doesn't go through bad enough form? I think you just meant you just notice it a lot more than goalkeepers. So you know, good luck to him. Long may it continue, and I just hope he gets cut a fair bit of slack. I think he's earned it. We said before the season that if any player was going to really benefit from having no fans in the stadium, it's Ben Hamer because you can see when it comes to shot stopping, he's amazing. If he doesn't have to think about it, he's great. He he makes it saves time after time after time. His distribution isn't great. But at the weekend, he was asked to do an awful lot. Naby Sar put some horrendous balls back to him. Stearman did another couple as well. Everything he was asked to do an awful lot. And for a, for a goalkeeper that isn't necessarily the greatest ball player, he, he coped fine for me. Not 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 saying he's great. He coped fine, but um, he did make a mistake with the penalty, like you say. I don't think it was a pen, but he could have got out of the way. Maybe whatever. Um, but he didn't he didn't collapse in on himself like he would have probably done, in my opinion, if the fans would have been in the stadium. So he's a bit fortunate. Then and, and good for us, good for him. It's nice to see him do really well. We said before the season, there's a chance he'd get player of the year. And I think apart from the fullbacks, he probably would be up there. Um, we have been contracted for the full year and money is tight. So we're always going to have to give him a chance. And it's just nice to see for him, after the shit he got from so many fans that went way past um, professional critiquing into personal abuse for me. Um, it's great to see him stand up um, and, and put some performances in like he is doing. Because for me, if don't make those few saves in the first 15 minutes, we lose that game at the weekend. And, and instead, he did. He made them. And um, here we are, three points better off that none of us expected to have. Yeah, I think what will happen as the season goes on, Killers, I think as he, if his form continues as it is in terms of making those saves and dominating his box, I think fans will become more forgiving of the, the distribution errors. I think we're kidding ourselves if we think he's going to, in the next few weeks, cut that out of his game. As you say, he's not a ball-playing goalkeeper, but Carlos's style requires him to be a ball-playing goalkeeper. And the guy's doing as he's asked. You know, he, he's trying to be brave. He's trying to pick out a full-back or a winger on the touchline rather than just who fits 60 yards up the field. So, you know, you have to give him credit for that. And I think as long as he continues to 
to grow a little bit, I think fans will become more, including me, will become more forgiving of those uh, distribution errors, I think. Well, if a shock win against Swansea wasn't enough, we've just done Derby as well. Um, team goal, liquid football. Shit, did you see that? All the Alan Partridge-isms are coming out. Uh, Janinia Bakuna's goal against... Oh, a, a toothless Derby county means town are now plummeting towards the top half of the table, which is what we like to see. As Corba Ball, as I'm going to call it from now on, takes effect. It wasn't the prettiest game at times, but it had one of the most beautiful moments of 2020 as we've seen on the football field as a Huddersfield Town fan. Lovely goal, lovely win. Ben Aimer keeping the clean sheet against all the Derby fans who had given him shit last season. What a wonderful way to round off an interesting week to be following Huddersfield Town. Well, it was just exciting. I mean, the first half left a little bit to be desired. Once again, it was uh, we were slow getting into things. Um, but second half, we seemed to come alive. And that is one of the best goals I've seen Town score in recent years. Uh, everyone getting involved. Gino Bakuna knew exactly where he was going. Harry Toffolo was reading about 10 minutes uh, ahead of everyone else. Uh, slot the finish away coolly. I do like how uh, you can already see Toffolo turning to celebrate before Bakuna's even put it in the net. Uh, he, he knew there that was going. It was well-polished move. It just, it, 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 it smelt like class. Okay, it smelt, it smelt like polish. Um not to say that there weren't problems, of course, in the first half, a few defensive frailties. Um, looked a bit naive at times. I thought people might have had his rubber boots on uh, with some of the touches that were cannoning off him. But on the whole, I thought we looked really strong, gents. I thought that the plan uh, seemed to work. We grew into the game. And also something that I've noticed as a market improvement, especially from against the game, such as against uh, Forest, game management. We looked like we knew what we were doing there, closing that out. Barring a silly challenge on the edge of the box from Fraser Campbell, and I think he knew what he'd done as soon as the moment it had happened, then I think we rode it out really well. There was no rushing. There was no playing Hollywood balls now to try and uh, jump in for a second. Everything was measured. Everything was calm. We kept the heads. I think we completely deserved it. We got let off a couple of times, admittedly again. Um, but, you know, strong in net again, um, Hamer. Good in front of goal. Um, and we grow into it. So, after one, I'm very satisfied with that. Well, lads, I've been out. I've ordered my skinny chinos. I'm going to start wearing my shirt untucked under my V-neck jumper. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fickle. God, yeah. But, I mean, that, that game was... Um, was everything I've come to expect from a Carlos team. I mean, the goal was a thing of beauty. You know, if it was a if it was a young lady, I'd be asking her out for a social distance drink. You know, it was, it was, uh, it had a bit of everything in it, and that's what I liked about it. It was less than ten touches between Hamer and and their, at the back of their net. Um, you know, I'm with you, Cam. I think first half we were a little sloppy at times. We gave away some soft set pieces, and a better team than Derby might have punished us in those in those environments. But I think you have to give. Um, Koku, who's probably getting much stick tonight, a bit of credit I thought in the first half. They they played three men very high against our back four, which meant the full-backs couldn't really get into the game. And just before we scored, I think Schindler was due to come on to try and give us uh, more more room for the, the full-backs, wing-backs, whichever way we play from the player. But, you know, I think it's another, another big tick in the box for me, for a, a coach who's really showing he can manage at this level. Um, and get more out of a bunch of players than I thought was possible. Cam nailed it for me. I think the, it's it's clear now to see, seven games in, right, the plan. There is a plan for every different aspect of the game. 
Um, Gaz is bang on there. Derby, Derby set up really well. They set up well and the, the game plan was to push our fullbacks back and, and not be able to contribute in, in the attacking game. And for a while it worked. It worked pretty well. Problem is, Derby seemed to tire. I, 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 they started okay, but whatever, the pressing that they were having to do to keep our fullbacks penned back in our half must have just been too much for them because they died out their ass in that second half. They totally went. Um, but you can see we have a plan for every set, every phase of the game. That's where the goal came from. The new, the new dead ball rules in that you can pass it out to anyone in, in your own box really help us. It helps us phenomenally because we know Hamer might not, not necessarily be the best distributor, but when you've got a free pass, it's, it, it can start straight away. It's an easy six-yard six pass, and that's where the first goal came from. Worked it really well down the left-hand side, everyone knowing exactly what to do. One of the really important things we seem to be doing now as a team is the person that passes the ball is then given the free role to chase it forward. That's where the goal came down from the left-hand side. It happened at the weekend with Iting and, and Toffolo where Toffolo could have squared it for Iting just to pass it into the back of the net. It didn't go that way this time. Uh, that time, sorry. And, and then this time you had Toffolo going down the, the left, um, Bakuna playing him the ball in and then him running the free the free roam into, into the box. And now if you actually take a freeze frame of the goal, you can see everyone's in the box in the right place as well. We've got a wing around the back in case the ball goes across too far. We've got two guys running in from the edge of the box, one going towards the front post, which is Bakuna. I'm not quite sure who was going towards the, the, the back post. It might have been Fraser. Um, but, but there's people all over the place. Oh, sorry, Fraser was on the keeper, so he must have been um, eyeing on another centre midfielder. But um, you've got players in designated positions, and that's where these goals are coming from. They're no, they're no accidents. People aren't just accidentally in the correct position. You can really see the effort made to get into the right positions we didn't have one of the Cowleys. We've not had that for years. And and to see it and to see it working, that's where these one 0 wins come from. You don't have to have many attacks, but when you do, and the chance is there, and everyone's in the right position, more often than not, you actually take the chances. And 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 it was, it was a game that, for the first time in how long, it felt like a routine victory. That's what it felt like to me. You were watching the game and thinking, you always thought we'd have a chance of scoring here. It never really felt like we were going to concede. And then when we went one 0 up, felt casual. It felt it felt easy. It looked like Derby went challenging at all and as soon as Lawrence went off I know he was in some corners in like it were a, a floaty ball and it was drifting like 30 40 yards over the goal but as soon as he went off they just died out their ass they're absolutely nothing biggest problem out of today's game though is is Pippa going off with a, a hip injury I think compared um Oggie or Oglen said um and now De Haney did only have 10 minutes when he came on but straight away there was not the same effort down the wing considering the stage of the game that we want to look maybe that's that that's the the reason there but he definitely won't offer as much as Pippa does so the biggest thing going into the weekend will be to see if if Pippa is fit enough to play because if not, the, the, the style that we have, the system that we have probably won't be as effective. But to say where we were just six, five, six games ago in the, in, in the cup game as well, we were awful. We, we, we looked like we were so behind the time and, and behind where we should be at that point in the season. And after, after the Brentford game, since then we've been, it's like a new team. I don't know what they are doing in training, but it's working because it's just exciting to watch and, and keep winning games like this you get a bit of momentum behind you and you don't know what's going to happen. It's just um, just going to keep those injuries away because, uh, again, as we've said, the, the squad's not the, not the biggest. It's definitely the fitness, and You know, as I was saying with the, with the Swansea game, the fitness is telling. You know, there, there was on balance, there was a spell. I think we had a brief spell in the first half uh, around five minutes, around the 20-minute mark, where we had a, a period of sustained pressure. We kept getting a few balls in the box and Derby couldn't get out. But then from that point on, the rest of the first half, I thought Derby... We're by far the better team. I thought we struggled to get hold of the ball. They didn't really create that much derby, but they had the majority of the ball. And 
we just didn't seem to get our rhythm together. But it just seems to be seems to be a running thing that we 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 start off relatively slow in the first half. I don't think we peak until we start getting to the second half, where the other teams start to tire, start getting those extra pockets of space, and that's when we can start to exploit it. And last season, the fitness just wasn't there to be able to do that. Um, and again, in this game. I think once the second half got underway, we start to pick ourselves up a bit, get, just get those passes away a bit quicker, managed to carve through Derby a little bit more, create more chances. I mean, on balance, Derby couldn't hit a barn door with the set pieces. You know, another team that's, that's better on set pieces would have caused us more problems. And there was a couple of back passes from Saar that give me palpitations. Um, but, but other than that, I thought, again, really um, disciplined performance, and the, the, the fitness for me is, is the main thing that's coming through here, uh, that we're able to see out games, we're able to keep going forward. Um, perhaps should have taken it to the corner, there was one chance right at the end again, um, similar to Nottingham Forest game where we tried to we tried to score, we tried to play the guy for instead of maybe just take it to the corner, just seeing the game out. And I think Derby, all right, they didn't create a clear-cut chance, but then we ended up with a situation where they were on the edge of our box right at the last minute again. Um, so I think maybe just a bit more a bit more savviness just to take it into that corner, just see the game out. But no, all credit to him again, really disciplined uh, performance and a great win and, and long may it continue. If he'd have said to me, we'd have 10 points this stage of the season after that Rochdale game, um, I'd, have, I'd have said you're insane. But um, but no, he's... Um, and a, and a, a bit of credit, you know, has to go. I mean, I, we've all been critical of Phil and this interview that's come out, but to be fair, he's brought this guy in, Carlos, and he is doing a sensational job. So I think he, he does, you know, he made that difficult decision to get rid of the Callies and knew he'd come under a lot of stick, but it does seem to be, it does seem to be paying off at this moment in time. My one concern is, as, as you alluded to, and again, you know, the injury, um, injury to people. If we get injuries to him and Toffolo, the, the system collapses and, It'll be very interesting to see in the next game how we adapt if he isn't playing. Taking on that point, though, it, it also, you know, with, with those a few additions that we we could have and should have probably brought in, this, this squad seems to be in a much better position in, in the league at the minute than, than we have been for a while. And when you have a style of play, just need that little bit of strength. Depth and Camp Cam mentioned it. I think Ian mentioned it. It was seven games in 22 days. It's it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday for the next couple of weeks. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how this squad copes with with the games that are coming up. Uh, I do fear that um, you know if first team, I think we can compete well in this league, but it's it's what's behind that, and you know five strikers give over. You know, you know, three, three, three right backs of, of the same level. No, we just need that little bit of added quality. And yes, that comes with a bit of money that we we don't want to be spending at the minute. But um, you know, Selavi, if you've got a good man, back him because if he doesn't get backed, he'll be um, he'll be well sought after. And we saw that with Wagner. Uh, he nearly he nearly went in the first full season. He was here to Villa, so. Um, Interesting times. Speaking of next games, PNA Preston North End coming up in a in a few days' time. Um, I mean, they've they've had a rocky start to the season. They're they're down there at the minute. They're, 
they're always one of those teams that seems to be mid-table and have a good season out of nowhere. Um, fail in the playoffs as ever, ever, but also drop off too. So um, I don't really know anymore. It's hard to predict because uh, COVID's kind of, the normal season forms, etc., kind of go out of the window now because I haven't got a clue if you look into the top league where you'd expect certain clubs to um, to be performing well uh, at a certain level. But uh, Preston North End, with a game in hand, sit 19th, um, two points above the relegation zone in town for the minute uh, at top half. So we'd, we'd be favourites, uh, three win, wins out of four, but... Um, I've got a clue anymore, to be honest with you, gents. Well, yeah, the one that's sticking out for me uh, in, from Preston's run of games so far is that marquee result, the 4 2 win uh, over Brentford. But apart from that, you know, they've, they've, they look very, very ordinary. Four points, as we say, uh, from five games, obviously, and then we'll see uh, how they do in midweek. But I think we have to be confident, really. I don't think we can go into it uh, with any fear now. We are on a, in a rich vein of form. It's not going to last forever. It's not. We're going to have a bad result, a, a shit performance. Uh, and we're going to be complaining back on town social before long. But if this can continue, then we've just got to see it as an opportunity to rack up as many as we can. It, it's simple. It sounds simple because it is simple. Um, don't tweak it. Just keep it going. Uh, manage the fitness levels is probably going to be the most difficult thing we have to do. There's going to have to be some sort of policy of rotation. Uh, and that's all right in places like centre-back, where we've obviously had Schindler, who looked like he was going to come off the bench, but he'll be fresh. Um, it's going to be more difficult in full-back roles, etc. Uh, and, well, maybe not if we've got five strikers now, but I, I think we might struggle up front as well to keep everybody fresh. Uh, but full-backs is the main one, and I think we'll all be waiting with bated breath to see uh, the outcome of a uh, peeper's injury, or suspected injury, uh, here's hoping. Um but yeah, again, I'm genuinely looking forward to the weekend now and catching this town game. Uh, Carlos, and I credit him with this, has has brought back a system and, and, a, and a feeling, uh, a club-wide, community-wide sentiment that gets Huddersfield Town to, and their games to be an exciting prospect again. And it's been a while since we've had that. So there's a bit of a buzz now. People, I love seeing those tweets where people say, oh, you know, I said I wasn't going to watch the game, but I can't tear myself away. That's come back now. And so... I'm hoping, I'm hoping um, that this can keep going. And I don't see why, uh, given the teams that we've faced so far, I don't think Preston have anything particularly more to offer. And so, okay, yeah, big caveat, it is Huddersfield Town, <laughs> who on earth knows. Um, but yeah, I'm full of confidence. I might eat my words on this one, but I'm full of confidence uh, at the moment. That's not a score prediction, Cam. It's a score prediction. Oh, I thought I got away with it. We have to go for 1-0. Oh. You know, Preston are a bit of a bogey team for us. I don't think I, I'm trying to remember if I've ever seen us beat Preston. I'm going back to Jepton and Booth days, I think. Um, they are a team that normally we would have a problem with because they're big, strong, direct, have a real clear game plan and play to it. We normally struggle against those teams. They play tomorrow, so we get 24 hours more to recover, which for a team like ours is now really important. Recovery time will become important. So I think that that's definitely a, a bonus for us. Um, but I just I have a sneaky feeling I, I think we will probably have a bit too much quality when it comes to the vital moments of the match I don't think it'll be a great game because I don't think Preston will let it be a great game um, but I, I'm with you I think I, I think I fancy us I think I fancy us to do a, another sneaky one or maybe even a 2-0 a, a 
It's not going to be one foot purists, is it? That that's for sure. They're a, they're a bit of a clog inside a Preston. They uh, commit a lot of fouls, go down looking for free kicks on a jet box. They're going to try and stifle us. They're not going to allow us to play attractive football and it's going to be a bit of a battle of wills. Um, I think we did. I seem to remember of beating them at home when we went up. I think was it Big Col scored from a rebound from penalty <laughs> to, to be in the last minute or something late on in the game. Um, I, I think it, it's, it's a game we probably should win on paper, but with it being Huddersfield Town, anything could happen, as you've said. I, I think it could be a, a 2-1 scrape win for town, but I don't think it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, just simply because of the way Preston play. We're not going to be able to play that one-touch attractive football. It's just going to be a bit of a a bit of a battle of wills and they're going to have to be patient and they're going to have to take the chance when it comes because I don't think they're going to get many chances. That extra day recovery that we get cannot be understated. It really can't be. They're down in London tomorrow, I think. Um, so they probably won't train Thursday morning. So they're only going to have a, a couple of training sessions and most of that will be recovery on Friday before before playing us. So it, it, everything that could go in our favour, Bar Pippa's injury, um, has in regards to this fixture for me. I think um, I think we'll burn them out second half. I think we'll have too much for them. I think first half will be tight like every game seems to be for us and then we'll make the adjustments and um, run away with it a little bit in the second half. I reckon 2-0. I think, I think we'll score... Um, but I think both goals will come after half time and there'll be a late one on the breakaway like we should have had uh, against Derby with O'Brien failing to, to put it across I think to Toffler, to either Toffolo or, or Pippa but um, no Preston they keep it pretty tight they've got the same goal difference as we have even though we're about 10-15 positions above them it'll be it'll be a tight game I think they're going to sit back and ask us to break them down again I don't think they'll have watched Derby and, and chuck three up top to try and hold the full backs deep they'll, they'll just sit as deep as possible like Rotherham did, and try and expect us to um, to break them down, which we've struggled with. And if Pippa definitely isn't playing, then it's going to be even more of a struggle for us. Um, Fraser Campbell struggles with two games in a week at the moment, as we all know. So if he's playing or not would make a difference for me too. Um, but as is, I think I think I think the belief's creeping back, isn't it? Like when we went into this season, we were looking at um, not enough signings coming in, affecting the chances of relegation, and that we would regret that we didn't strengthen enough to give us a good fighting chance. And now I got that one wrong. It's pretty clear now we're looking at the wrong end of the table from what's been going on recently. Um, and, and not bringing guys in is more of a missed opportunity in that we could be higher up in the in the league at the, at the right end. Um, but this 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 game is probably the first test for squad depth that we've had. So um, it's going to be an exciting one. And, and there's just no boring games at the moment, is there? Everything's just... Even, even if it is quite a defensive, counter-attacking kind of game, there's always things there to watch and enjoy. If I think's not putting an outside of the outside of the foot cross in, or, or Naby Sar putting a fifty-eight yard ball to somebody, it's entirely unnecessary. Or, or passing one back to Hamer in the middle of the goal, and if Hamer misses it, it's in his own net. Um, it's just games are full of moments at the moment, and we haven't had it for so long. So just let that continue, and uh, another three points, and we can delude ourselves a bit more, thinking that playoffs are realistic. But seven games in, we never expected to be here. Speaking of moments and playoffs and, and Preston, as, as Nick quite rightly pointed out with a 3-2 epic win uh, from that season uh, over Preston at our place when, when Big Col mopped up uh, when Moy couldn't stick away a penalty. In your eyes, lad, who's on the end of that missed penalty in the final minute? Because I, I know that I am banking steep on Fraser Campbell to come on 84th minute, just 
trot around on the edge of the box, you know, nursing his knees, pop up last minute, stick one in. My money is definitely on him just to shit out one in the last minute for us. So no, prime shit outsery for me. He's the number one candidate. Nabby Sar going to hit one from 70 yards like it's Joe Lynch. That's what it's going to be. No, it's going to be one all for me. Scott's in play for Preston and uh, Isaac and Benza for town. We're bold. I think we've got a bet on that. And Benza to score. I believe in him. You poor lad. He's had half an hour off tonight. Um, it's, it's a different spot a couple of weeks, mate. As we said, we're looking up, which is only good, but it, it's kind of looking back and saying, had a little bit more this season could be really really special football for you ups and downs and here and there's um, I think it's been an interesting podcast this so gentlemen thank you all for your time Gareth Gay come on poop Ian Kilroy Nick Barlow on debut thank you very much I think Greg Mara until next time until after Preston goodbye